Praise God. Praise him indeed. I'm glad to see that there are some really early risers. Uh, glory be to God indeed for that. Um, I bring greetings from my husband, uh, Reverend Canon Dr. John Senyonyi. He's not able to be with me this morning, but he sends his greetings. Um, I think that's about it. Um, I've <laughs> been married for 38 years with him. We have four children, seven grandchildren, and we love the Lord. So I'm going to go straight into what brought me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much because you have so much packed for us. We pray that each person who has come, each person who is listening, will go away with something. Maybe our foundations have been shaken. We want to be strengthened to know that you are Lord on your throne, you are King, and there's nothing that can shake us. Bless your name, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. So that the theme for the alabaster, thank you for the alabaster ladies for inviting me, is, is the unshakable. And it comes from Hebrews 12, 22 to 29. And you know, it reminds me when we go to seminars sometimes, they tell you, okay, you are number one, two, three, four. They said you are going to form four groups. And you go into that group, you get a chairperson, you get a secretary, and you also get a name. So what came to mind is that this theme can become a name of a group. I would love to be the unshakable, you know? Those people who are going to come and say, we are the unshakable. <laughs> Some people will call them the lions, the fire, but for us we are going to be, today, we are going to be the unshakables where our foundations cannot be shakable. They, they are shaken, but we are unshakable. That's what I want you to go away with today. So um, the background of this psalm, um, if you have your finger at Psalm 11, I'm going to give you that background. It comes from 1 Samuel chapter, between chapter 18 and, verse, and chapter 24. And I think you know much of what happened there. But, you know, let me just tell you the story of it. David and Jonathan, Jonathan was Saul's son, were very good friends. So, Saul set him over the men of war. That is David. Saul said, David, I want you to be over these people and do whatever I send you to do. And he did it very, very well. That the women in the city began singing as it says in 1 Samuel 18, 7, Saul has struck his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now, that phrase alone made Saul very, very angry. It says this displeased him because all Israel and Judah loved David. And in verse 9 it says, Saul eyed David from that day on. Have you ever been eyed by someone because you are promoted, you know, you are a canon, you are, and someone says, sure, why, you know, why her? Why not me? That was what Saul was doing. 
And then it says in verse 10 and 11, now I'm in 1 Samuel 18, it says, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house. Have you ever raved within your house? You're like, yeah, sure. And then he held the spear at David while he was playing his lyre. And David evaded him. Then we go to another scene in verse 19. Saul wanted to give David his daughter. But it wasn't in good faith. He wanted to catch him and kill him. So he tried Merab. Then he gave him Michelle to ensnare him. But he became even more afraid of David because he knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, I don't know how to say that one, Saul's daughter, loved him. So every time he tried to do something, the wife, who is the daughter of Saul, helped David escape. Saul, verse 29 says, Saul became David's enemy continually. Because I'm giving you the background of what David was saying in Psalm 11. Then we go to chapter 19. Jonathan now comes in to protect David from his father Saul. And then the Philistines, the enemies came, they struck them. Saul sought to pin David to the wall. That is chapter 9 verse 10. But his wife, Michelle, helped him to escape. So David is fleeing from Saul and asking Jonathan, what is my sin? What have I done? And then he ran away because he was to be killed. He pretended to be mad so that he can get away. That's chapter 21. And then Ahimelech was put to task. And he answered the king when the king said, why are you on David's side? He said, who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected in your household? And guess what Saul did? Because he was still angry, he killed all the priests, including Ahimelech. And only one escaped to join David. Chapter 23, David comes down to fight the Philistines, but still Saul seeks to surround and kill him. Chapter 24, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Saul gets into the cave to relieve himself, and David got an opportunity to kill him. But he didn't. He just cut off a bit of his robe and, and let him free. And then, in verse 16, it says, Is that your voice, David, my son? This is now Saul saying, and he wept out aloud. So I, I don't know whether you have, you have picked a bit. This is the background of Psalm 11. There's a lot of resentment. Saul tries to kill him. There's a lot of betrayal, disappointment, envy, fear of death, injustice, wickedness. And David is tempted to distrust God. He's tempted to say, enough of being God's righteous, upright person. I am going to save myself. I am going to take care of me. And I think many times we do that. We're like, enough. You know, I've been working for these people. They are talking badly about me. Enough, enough, enough. Let me leave them, let me go. Even his friend said, you know, flee. 
So when you go to verse 11, I mean Psalm 11, he's like, I'm taking refuge in the Lord. You people are telling me to flee. They were telling him, run away. Why? Because you are righteous. Run away because things are not good. They advised him to flee. And so these are the foundations of David that had been destroyed. Imagine he was staying in a cave. He was no longer in charge of the people that were fighting because Saul was after him. And the question that we have today is when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? What are your foundations? The foundations I thought of are like marriage. You know, you change the name from Kauma to Senyonyi. That's a foundation. Then someone comes and breaks that foundation. He does something very bad. Maybe it's your work. I used to work with Bank of Uganda. We wear these things here. And you're like, your name is there with Bank of Uganda on it. And you're like, yeah, I work. That's a foundation. Then one day they, they decide that you are no longer going to work for them. You did something wrong. That foundation is taken from under you. Maybe it's your family. You know, you have six children. And then, like Job, all of them are taken away. What will you do? Maybe it's the church, your belief in God. Maybe it is the money. Some of you have grown up with a lot of money in your pockets. You have never lacked. Sometimes we joke with my husband. He talks about how he walked around without shoes. And I told him, for me, I was born with shoes. <laughs> yeah, you know, some of you are born with shoes. I have a little, little grandchild who is six weeks. I know they have little booties for him right from the day he was born. He put on those things. Little, little shoes. Property. You know, I've seen on TV people fighting for land. You have 20 acres and someone comes and takes them away. So some of those are our foundations. Sometimes it's your own attainment. You have obtained a PhD. You are maybe a priest. You are maybe a wife of somebody. You are very prominent. Those are the foundations that I want you to think about. Then he says, when the right, what do the righteous do? So who are the righteous? Immediately Job 1.1 comes into my head. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. And this is how they describe him. This man was blameless, upright, and he feared God and shunned evil. That's how righteousness is described. Can they describe you like that? Blameless, upright, fearing God, and shunning evil. And then in Job 1, 10, he says, have you not, you know, Satan wanted to disturb him and he said, and, and he said God, really, I can't touch that man because you've put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has. You have blessed the world of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. So when we are upright and blameless, God puts a hedge around us and blesses the work of our hands. Amen. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, it talks about the eyes of the Lord going throughout the earth to strengthen 
those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So righteousness means you are committed to him. And it's a sign that the Lord is with you. And it's a sign that you are doing everything right in the eyes of the Lord. As opposed to doing everything wrong in your sight. I think if you've been doing some of the readings we do in, 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 in the morning, it's, we've been in Second Kings. And there's one king who caught my eye. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I think that's 2 Kings 18. Said in the year of Hoshea, son of Elah, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Even when I was coming this morning, someone was talking about Hezekiah. And he said, this is somebody that is talked about. He reigned for 29 years and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David has done. And what did he do? He removed the high places. Some of you, you still have those places. Eh? You go to someone's home. He comes to church here. But at home, I don't know what it's called in English, sabu, in the backyard. And you're wondering, but this person, he removed those high places. He smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. And then in verse 5, it says, He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. I wish that you had such descriptions of yourselves. I, I, I came to know the Lord when I was in my senior too. <clears throat> Although my father was a bishop, I knew my father was a bishop, was saved, my mother. I could close my eyes and I know what they said in the fellowship because I would be there. But I took Jesus for myself in S2. That's many years ago. 40 something years ago, I think. I don't even know. Because now I'm, I'm 62 now. I think I was about 12. Wow. Holding fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. This is Hezekiah. And he kept the commands of the Lord. And the Lord was with him. And he was successful in whatever he undertook. People being righteous is an amazing thing. And you have to look at your life and say, hmm, mm-hmm. how would they describe me? If they were to stand here, maybe I would be in a coffin somewhere. Most people do that when you are dead. They don't tell you when you are still living. But says that woman <clears throat> was like this. She trusted in the Lord. She was committed. What will they say about you? So now the question again, when the foundations are shaken, when they are destroyed, what do the righteous do? So now you know the foundations and you know the what? And you know the what? The righteous. So how are the foundations destroyed? Social media. The internet. We sometimes want to protect our children from such things because there's a lot of abuse in social media. Someone can tell you you are ugly. So for the whole day, especially us women, when they tell you you are ugly, it's the worst thing you can ever do. Husbands, never tell your wife that they are ugly. The other time I asked my husband, I think I've put on weight. And then he asked me, you want me to say something? I said, no, I don't want you to say anything. (laughs) 
you might get into trouble. <laughs> yeah? So, husband, sometimes a husband cheats. I'm a counselor, that's my profession. And many people come to me for help. And m- many of the problems are around cheating. That takes away the foundation. The wife is like, my, my, my. This man, I don't trust him anymore. I used to trust him, now I don't. My foundation has gone. Sometimes it is envy, like soul hard, jealousy. You see someone wearing a dress, the dress that you bought yesterday, and you are envious, you are jealous. Sometimes it is malice. People talk about you, and you really feel bad. Maybe it's death that has come, that has ruined the foundation that you had. Maybe it is bribing. Someone has bribed you. You have taken the bribe and you are put out in the newspaper. The shame that comes with it, the foundation is gone. Maybe it is fear. You are fearing death or imprisonment. Or maybe you are being attacked by your family members. Or maybe by the church members themselves. And so what do the righteous do? The friends of David were saying, my dear, it's dangerous out there for you. Verse 2 says, the wicked bend the bow. They have tilted their arrow, fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the darkness at the upright at heart. There are enemies coming after the righteous. You are too righteous. You are too good. Run away. Go out there into the mountains. They are going to shoot you because uprightness is not your security right now. And this is the answer of a righteous man. And they're going to talk about six points here. One, he says, trust in the Lord and in him find refuge. When things have gone, because when things are fine, the husband is here, the money is here, the car is here, the job is there. You know, you sometimes don't know. The foundations are still firm. But once they are broken, that is when you are like, whoa, the things I relied on have gone. What do I do now? First, trust in the Lord and in him find refuge. Reminds me of... of um, Psalm 49, God is our refuge, God is our strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give away, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, so the waters roll and form, and the mountains quake with their surging. We shall find refuge in God. I'm going to hide there. I'm going to be safe. I'll ask you these things at the end, so try to keep them in mind. Trust in the Lord. First one, trust in the Lord and in him find refuge. Secondly, remember who God is. Remember who God is and where he is. In verse 4 it says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Habakkuk also talks about the Lord in his holy temple. He says, let all the earth be silent before him because God is in his holy temple. When he's in the temple, it means that he's with us. He says, shh, in those olden days, whenever you entered church, temple, you would have to keep quiet. You are no longer allowed to talk. These days are different. People take out their phones, they are listening to something, to some music. Gamba, be, be, 
it's different. But he says, when you enter that place, shh, 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 silent, because he's there. He will take care of everything. He's almighty, he's powerful, he's able, he's all-knowing. We are not out of his sight. We, are, we know where he is. We know how powerful he is. He is in his holy temple. That's where he is. Third is know that God is in total control. Foundations have gone, but God is on his heavenly throne. Verse 4 again. On the throne, he is king. We need to trust him. He's caring. His vision is the best. <clears throat> it's the safest move. He's the governor of the world. He knows. He's our mediator. He, we know that he's in total control because he's on the throne. Some of you know that kings sit on thrones and they rule. They just say do and you do. They just say this because they are all-knowing. Okay? So that's the picture that he's giving us. That we should trust him because he knows tomorrow Many times I said, look, the Lord is the one who put me in my mother's womb. He knew. He put me together. Then he tells me he knows tomorrow. He has good plans for me. He cannot let me go, especially because I am righteous. Number four, he's aware and he sees the righteous. He observes everyone on earth, that's verse 4b. He, his eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous. He observes, he examines, he sees. What does he see? It says his eyelids test the children of man. He tests the righteous. His face shines on them. You know, I love to know that the Lord knows. Psalm 139 reminds us that when I sit, when I rise, when I go in, when I go out, when I'm in lying down, when I'm in, in the depths, you are there. 139. So he knows me. He knows me so well. He says, for the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. So if you are upright, in that category that I named, righteous, upright, the Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you. That's what number six says. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. There's like a song. I like singing. The Lord bless you and take care of you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. You must be a Gayaza girl. Yeah? <laughs> That's a Gayaza song. The Lord bless you. The Lord will make his fine face shine upon you. And he says, because you are righteous. So we should not, never lose our righteousness because our foundations are shaken. Because the Lord will bless us. The Lord will keep us. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He says, as for me, I'll be vindicated and will see your face. Many times I talk about the Lord's face and him facing you. When the Lord is against you, people, the Lord does not look at your face. But when he's for you, he looks at you in the face and says, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. Nothing is going to go wrong. The foundations may go away, but I'm going to hold on to you. You are going to be well. He loves the righteous. He's gracious to them. He favors them. He looks on them with pleasure. And they walk in his light. 
Amen. Number five, but then we add that God tests us through trial. The Lord examines and disciplines the righteous as a sign of love. So do you see God's hand even in these difficult times? Hebrews 12 says, Hebrews 12, 5 to 8. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Reminds me of my children. I was the disciplinarian. My husband looks like the tough one, but I'm the one who disciplines. And I discipline them because I love them. When I look at them, I'm proud of them because of what I did. I loved them enough to make them know that they are doing the wrong thing. I would go home and say, now what did you do? I remember one of them took, a, those days we had cassettes, took a cassette to school to give to his friend without permission. So we came looking for the cassette and I'm like, mm -hmm, who took it? And they didn't say anything. Who took it? And then we said, okay. I'm going to punish you. How many are you going to get? You lie down, papa, papa. What did you do? And he has never forgotten that one. I don't think he can take anything now without permission. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You are not true sons and true daughters at all. So God tests, says his eyes turn and they are testing the righteous. Number six, remember that God also sees the wicked and hates them. Don't forget that. Because sometimes the person who has done wrong to us, we are like, he's prospering. He's so rich. He has everything. His foundations are firm. He says, he will deal with the wicked. Do not fear. He is the righteous judge and will punish the wicked for their wickedness. The wicked cannot win. They cannot prosper. They will forever perish and their portion shall be what? Raining coals, fire, sulfur, and a scorching wind. This is from Jude chapter 5. Jude 1, 5. says, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt. He loved those people. They were his people, but later destroyed those who did not believe. So if you are here and you do not believe, you are in trouble because you are going to be destroyed. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness. He has bound them forever with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. So some of you have been righteous and walking with the Lord. And then somewhere in the middle, you decide to become perversion, to, to, uh, to go the wrong way. You become perverts. And he says, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You are going to be destroyed. Do not play around with God. Some of us are playing around and we think that he's our bad day. He knows. He understands. After all, my wife was bad to me. Therefore, I got another one. Hey, hey. Hey. Oh, Bank of Uganda has a lot of money. Therefore, I shall take 10 million and nobody will know. Hey. 
the wicked, they will drink the cup of his fury. They will drink the cup of his wrath. They will drink the cup of staggering. That comes from Jeremiah 25, 15. Number seven and the last. Trust God. Depend on him at all times and do not receive the advice of fear. People will come and say, you are sick. You are very sick. You have cancer. Oh, if you don't go to this man and pay a goat and smanyabichi and shake, shake, you are not going to get better. So you look at your legs, they are going away, and you are like, okay, just this once. So you turn around from the face of God and you go and walk around and find this one, the wicked. Hey, you are going to be destroyed. It says, depend on him at all times, especially when the foundations are shaking. Trust that he's praying for us. He's on our side. His face is not against us. Testing means I will not be pushed beyond what I can do. No plot can be done against me that he does not know. So I need to totally rely on him. He's my maker. He's my redeemer. Remember the destiny of the wicked. God will rain coals and fire and brimstone because he will persecute the wicked. So our struggle is on. Our struggle is to do what? Trust God in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of difficulties that shake our foundation because God is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let me just remind you and then sit down. Do you remember what I've said? Number one was... Trust in the Lord and find refuge in him. Number two, remember who God is and where he is. He's in his holy temple. Number three, to know that God is in control, total control. He's on his heavenly throne and he sees and he knows what's happening to you. His eyes are not closed. His face is for you. Amen. He is aware and he sees the righteous. That is number four. B, remain righteous because he knows you. He's the one who created you in Psalm 139. He knows where you are going. And then number five, God tests. So when you are going through those difficult times, go through the fire like Job did. He went through, he lost everything. But he did not lose the face of God. And God replaced all those things. Number six was remember that God also sees the wicked. Do not be among the wicked. Do not be among the wicked. But know that when you are righteous, the wicked are going to come. They are going to shake your foundations. But he will deal with them. Don't deal with them yourself. And then number seven, trust God and depend on him at all times and do not receive the advice of fear. Let us pray. Father, what a joy it is to know that you are on our side. Wow. What a joy to know that there's nothing that happens to us when you don't know. And thank you that you've called us to be righteous, to walk upright and be like Job, that we can be described upright, righteous, 
depending on God. Lord, forgive us where we have not walked right. Foundations, our foundations have been shaken. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our job. Many jobs were lost in COVID. Maybe the money we had is all gone. Maybe our children are not doing well. Maybe they've gone astray. Those are things that shake us and we are like, Lord, where are you? Have you forgotten me? But today we know you have not forgotten us. So we thank you. We want to say we trust you. We want to say there's nowhere we are going. We are stuck with you. May your face continually shine on us. In Jesus' name I pray.